Welcome to Canvas Church. You are listening to our weekly celebration service message. Thank you for tuning in. Well, I'm Pastor Katie Brinkman, and I just want to say another uh, welcome to all of you that are here at Canvas Church for the first time. Hopefully you enjoyed a fantastic Thanksgiving week. I know I did. Uh, Hopefully you were able to take some time in the midst of all of your cooking, in the midst of all the cleaning the house to get ready for people to come over, to take some time to just uh, think about the things that you're so grateful for and the things that you're thankful for. Um, I know I was able to, in the midst of um, stuffing the turkey and putting it in the oven, to think about my family as I watched them around the house and and having a great time to be so thankful for my husband and my children, Uh, grateful to uh, get to experience and and celebrate Thanksgiving with my father, Thomas, who's here this morning. Uh, Hopefully you'll get a chance to meet him. Um, But just so many things to be grateful for, so many things to be thankful for. Uh, And as we heard the song this morning, we're going to dive into another message in our carol series, um, looking at this song, O Come All Ye Faithful. And so as we begin to get into the message this morning, let's turn our Bibles to Isaiah chapter 9, and we're going to read verses 6 and 7 together. Could I get the house lights up a little bit more if that's possible? There you are. All right. Verse 6 in Isaiah 9. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. So good. Let's pray this morning as we get into the word today. God, we thank you uh, for the opportunity that we have this morning to gather together in your house. And as we come together, we pray that you would minister and speak to each one of us this morning. I pray that you would help me to communicate everything you put on my heart for us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Everybody say amen. Amen. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. And this song that the band sang so well this morning is uh, is a carol that we sing often, you hear often uh, during the holiday season, calling uh, the faithful, calling the joyful, calling the triumphant to come and behold and to come and adore this son that has been given to us. And so this morning we're going to take a look at this uh, this carol and we're only going to get to the very first part, and we're, I just, we can't get beyond that. We're going we're gonna to take a look at some scriptures this morning, uh, but this is our third week in our Carol's message, and now that it's December 1st, I think that if you haven't listened to Christmas music already, come on, it is time, okay? If Sunday morning was the only time that you heard a Christmas carol so far, it is officially December 1st, so it's okay. You can turn on the Christmas music, you can start watching the Christmas movies, and enjoy those, and have fun. Um, I know we do. This this carol, O Come All Ye Faithful, was actually originally written in Latin. Um, it is attributed to John Francis Wade, an 18th century hymnist, 
But uh, 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 some of the manuscripts that were found were actually dated prior to him. So some would say that he may not be the, um, the original writer of this, but this is typically attributed to him. Um, and then there are other English uh, uh, hymnists that also have uh, has been um, attributed to them as well. So uh, as we look at this carol, the very first line there, and we know it so well, we sing it um, with joyfulness as, as, we, as we hear it and we join in with it. It says, O come all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant. O come ye, O come ye to Bethlehem. Come and behold um, him born the king of angels. And it continues on. And I don't know about you, but uh, maybe you came in this morning and maybe you are you came in and you're like, man, I'm, I'm faithful. I'm coming into the house of God. I've been faithful all week. Maybe you're coming in and I've got so much joy. It is overflowing. It's bouncing on all the people around me. Maybe you came in with your head held up high, feeling triumphant. And so you hear this carol this morning. You're like, I am here. I am here. I am, I am the faithful one. I am the joyful one. I am the triumphal one. I'm coming. I'm coming to behold my king. I'm coming to behold the one that was born for me to come and to die on the cross and to ri- raise from the dead to that I might put my faith and trust in him and experience eternal life. I am here today. But the reality is many of us may hear this song and think I am so not qualified to come and behold him. I am not qualified this morning. If he's calling those that are faithful, those that are joyful, those that are triumphant, then he certainly isn't talking to me. So maybe that's you this morning and maybe you've heard this carol over and over again and you think, wow, (laughs) I am not the one that's supposed to be coming and adoring him this morning. Well, you're not alone, okay? Maybe you came in this morning and you feel just the opposite. Maybe it's not today, but maybe there have been times in your life where you came in. Are you all hearing my jingling? It's like I got jingle bells on up here. I'm like, I'm going to take it off. It's driving me crazy. Uh, But maybe you come in and you feel exactly the opposite. Instead of feeling faithful, you feel doubtful. Maybe instead of feeling joyful, you feel depressed. Maybe instead of coming in feeling triumphant, you feel defeated this morning. Well, I have some good news for you today. As we sing this carol, it's so beautiful and it's, it's so fun to sing and we hear it all throughout the Christmas season. But the reality is, is that isn't only who Jesus calls. He's calling um, many more than just those that are joyful, faithful, triumphant. He calls many others. And so let's take a look in our word this morning, in the Bible this morning, and look at who is it that Jesus is calling? Who is it that Jesus calls? And first and foremost, in Matthew eleven twenty eight, and you can write this down. We're going to have a lot of scriptures this morning, so grab your pen or grab your iPhone or your iPad or your Kindle or any of those wonderful devices you have and put them to work this morning. And Matthew eleven twenty eight says, Come to me, all you who are weary. Everybody say amen. Come on. And burdened. And I will give you rest. Jesus says, Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. So Jesus calls the weary and the burdened. So if you came in this morning, you would say, you know what, I am not feeling extremely faithful today. I'm not feeling joyful. I'm not feeling triumphant, but I do feel a bit weary I feel a little bit burdened. Um, Those of you that don't know, we've been for the last 
couple weeks have been in a moving process um, into a new house, and nothing will make you feel more weary and burdened than moving. Anybody out there that would um, identify? I know the halls do because they're doing it right now too. Um, So I'm coming in today, and I do feel a little bit weary, a little bit tired, a little bit burdened. We chose to move right around the holiday season, so that was a great a great choice. I'm very excited for it, but at the same time, feel a little bit weary. So I am encouraged this morning because Jesus doesn't just call the faithful, the joyful, the triumphant, but he's calling those that are weary to him, those that are burdened down with things. You're feeling heavy this morning. He's calling you to himself and he's just not calling you to just come. He's calling you and he's saying, Hey, I want you to come, but as you come, I'm going to give you rest. Isn't that awesome? It's so awesome. So this morning I'm praying for you today that as you come in weary and burdened, that you will leave having found rest in his presence this morning. Amen. The other group that Jesus calls unto himself is he calls the sinners. In Matthew 9, verses 12 through 13, it says, On hearing this, Jesus says, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. For I have come not to call the righteous, but sinners. I have come not to call the righteous, but sinners. Such a great, such a great verse. Because I remember what it was like to be 20 years old and to be invited to church not really having gone to church much in my life, uh, getting that invitation to come to church for the first time at the age of 20 was really nerve-wracking because I knew that I had done a lot of things in my life that were not right, and I had dug a pit for myself. I didn't need anybody else to dig it for me. I dug it for myself, and I was sitting in it. I was wallowing in it. And so when I got that invitation to come to church for the first time, I was so nervous because I had in my mind that the ones that Jesus called into himself were the faithful, the joyful, the triumphant, and I did not qualify to be any of those. I was the one that was doubtful. I was the one that was depressed. I was the one that was defeated in many areas of my life. And so when I got that invitation to come to church for the first time, I was so nervous because I thought, surely Jesus doesn't want me to come into his house this morning. But as we read this verse this morning, and as I came into church for the first time, and when I walked in those doors, lightning didn't strike me as I crossed over the threshold. How many of you excited that lightning didn't strike you as you crossed into church this morning? Amen. Okay? You made it in the doors. That's a good thing. And the reason why is because Jesus is calling those that are sinners unto himself. He's calling those that are are not doing great, those that are sick, those that are in need of him. He's calling you to himself today. And so when I came to church for the first time, man, I sensed that. I I, I sensed that, that as I was there, it was it was as though nobody said it to me, but it was as though I knew this is exactly where I'm supposed to be today. And I believe that many of you are here today and you needed to hear that, that maybe things haven't been going right in your life. Maybe you've dug yourself a pit and you're sitting in it. Well, you know what? Today, right here, right now, this is exactly where you're supposed to be because Jesus is calling you unto himself and, and he wants you. And the Bible says in Romans 5, 8, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That is the love of God, ladies and gentlemen. He is calling you unto himself. He knows your stuff already. 
He knew it as he was hanging on the cross because he's, he wasn't limited by time and space. He's all-knowing. He knew, he knows the past, he knows the present, and he knows your future. He sees it all. And he knew even then the state that you were living in, the sin that you were living in, he chose to die for you and for me. And that is an exciting thing this morning. And so I want you to know that as we sing this song, just take a breath of fresh air this morning. That He's not just calling the faithful, the joyful, the triumphant. He's calling the weary, the burdened, and the sinners this morning. So let's change the song. We could get Becca up here in the band, and we could change the song this morning, and we could sing, Oh, Come All Ye Sinners, Weak and Weary. Wouldn't that be exciting? Uh, just change the words of the song and, and, and as you know, put it out on the radio out there, and people would be like, Huh? What happened? What happened? But those are the people that Jesus is calling unto himself. Now, were there those that were faithful? that we're coming to adore him? Absolutely, there were. And that's why many of us are gathered here today. Uh, we're here because we have an absolute love relationship with Jesus Christ, and we're, we're considered the faithful ones, and we're here this morning because we know that he's calling us as well. But I want you to know that if you're feeling weary this morning, if you're feeling weak, if you're feeling doubtful, if you're feeling as though you're in sin today, he's calling you. He wants you. He wants you this morning, and that is such an exciting thing to know. But the exciting thing as well, not only is he calling you this morning to himself and into that relationship, but he is also not going to leave you in that state. It's so great that that when he calls you, you may feel weary, you may feel burdened, you may feel doubtful, all of those things, but Jesus doesn't leave you in that state. He doesn't leave you there, but he does something awesome. The scripture says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, that therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. He is a new creation. Behold, old things are passed away, and all things have become new. That when the moment that you come to him, as he's calling you, and you hear that call, and you answer that call, and you come to him, that when you come to him, you are now a new creation. Those old things that have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. That he does something new in your life. That he doesn't leave you in that state of doubtfulness. He doesn't leave you feeling weary. He doesn't leave you feeling burdened. But he comes and he gives you rest. He comes and, and causes you to rise up and become faithful. And so we're going to look at some, some um, things today. And what does Jesus help us become? That as we come to him, as we answer that call to come to him this morning, what does Jesus do? And what are the new things that he does in our lives? And the first one here is that Jesus helps us become more faithful. He helps us become more faithful so that when we begin to sing that song on Christmas morning, as the kids are frantically opening the presents, we can say, that's me. That's me. He helps us become more faithful. How does he do that? In Romans 10, 17, it says, So faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. He helps us become more faithful as we hear his word, because faith comes by hearing. So you may feel doubtful today, but as you hear the words of Christ, as you begin to open the Bible and as you begin to read it, faith comes as you hear that. Hebrews 12, 2 says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter 
of our faith. As we fix our eyes on him, he is the author of our faith. He's the one that gave each one of us a measure of faith. And you might look at your measure of faith and think it's so small, it's almost non-existent. Well, the Bible talks about just that. All it takes is just a mustard seed. Have you ever seen a mustard seed? It is so tiny. It is it is the tiniest little thing ever. I had someone um, come up to me one Sunday and they gave me a whole bag of mustard seed because they said they, they just felt led by God that, you know, I, I just want to give this to you and remind you that it just takes a small mustard seed of faith to see God do great things in and through your life. It just, it, it, but he is the one that gives that, that measure of faith to you. And as we fix our eyes on him, come on, faith comes and he begins to perfect our faith. There's a, there's a story about the disciple named Peter in the Gospels. And as you look at Peter's life and as he, um, uh, he answers the call from Jesus to follow him, he was a fisherman, he was out on the boats, and Jesus calls him and says, hey, come follow me, I'll make you a fisher of men. Peter follows Jesus, is walking along with Jesus in his ministry and seeing all the miracles that Jesus is doing and, and watching all these things, listening to Jesus' teachings. And then the day comes when they come and they lead Jesus away and he is headed to the cross And as that takes place and as he's being led to the cross, there's a a moment, three moments, where Peter denies Jesus. He denies knowing him. He denies being in relationship with him. He denies Christ. And, And Jesus dies on the cross. He's buried. And three days later, we know the end of the story, is he rises from the dead. And he begins to show himself uh, to his followers, and he, he calls them and says, go tell the disciples and Peter. Go, go tell them and, and tell Peter and let Peter know. And then there's, as, as he's alive and he's risen from the dead and he's appearing to many of his followers, there comes a point in John chapter 21, you can write that down, John chapter 21, verses 15 through 19, where Jesus uh, comes on the scene and Peter had gone back to his old way of life. Peter had gone back to the boats, and he had gone back to fishing. And I I can only imagine what was going through Peter's mind, um, thinking, here I was, a disciple of Jesus, and I was faithfully following him. And and then in in Jesus' greatest time of need, I denied him. I didn't just deny him once, but I denied him three times. And and I I just know what I would be going through if I was Peter. I would would probably feel very defeated and and like I wasn't worthy to be a follower of Jesus. And and I probably, like Peter, would have gone back to to what I knew and, and what what I had done in the past. And so here Peter was, and, and he's fishing, and Jesus comes on the scene. And uh, you'll see a little bit further up in, in tap, chapter 21 of John that he tells them to, hey, cast a net on the other side. And they take up a great, and they realize, oh, my goodness, it's Jesus. Jesus is here. And then they come, and they're, they're sitting with him, and they're eating with him. And then Jesus does something. And, and I don't know what was going through Peter's mind at that moment, knowing that he had denied Jesus and just waiting um, how many of you, when you've, you've messed up and you're sitting across from the person you know um, that you, you didn't follow through with what they had asked you to do, you screwed up, you're just waiting for them to just bring the hammer down, right? You're just like, you're sweating, um, you know, who knows what's going on, you're just you know, you're just waiting for it. You're like, come on already, just say it, you know? And I, I'm sure Peter was probably feeling that way. And, um, but Jesus does something so awesome. 
uh, Jesus asks Peter some questions. He looks at him and says, Peter, do you love me? And Peter's like, well, yeah. And Jesus says, feed my sheep. And then again, he says, Peter, do you love me? Peter's like, well, Lord, you know. And, and Jesus says, well, tend my lambs. And then again, Jesus says, Peter, do you love me? And I'm sure that Peter's just like, he hates me. He doesn't think I love him. This is, this is bad. And Peter's just like, well, Lord, you know, you know all things, you, you know. And Jesus just looks at him and says, feed my sheep. And after that encounter, what was taking place in that moment, how many times did Peter deny Jesus? Three times? How many times did Jesus ask Peter, do you love me? He was restoring Peter. It was a work of restoration taking place. Jesus' words being spoken to Peter in that moment is causing faithfulness to rise up in him again. He's removing all doubt of, of, of who Jesus is, removing all doubt of his calling. Some of you here today, you, you felt called to a particular um, field of uh, a job, or you felt called to ministry, or you felt called to, to do something, and, and maybe you failed in it. Um, but God is coming to remind you, and he comes to Peter, and he reminds him of his calling. That Peter, you weren't called to sit on a boat and fish. You were called to feed my sheep. You were called to tend my lambs. You were called to feed my sheep. And he begins to speak purpose back in to Peter. He begins to remind him of his call, and he restores Peter into that place. And, and from that moment on, there was never a moment where you saw Peter waver in his faithfulness to Christ ever again, even to his death. Died a death uh, by crucifixion. He did not deny Christ again. That encounter with Jesus... That looking to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, and hearing his words, and as his words come, it causes faith to rise up inside of us, reminding of us, reminding us of who we are, and reminding us of our calling, and we can rise up from that, from hearing that, and rise up and walk in faithfulness once again. And so maybe you're here today and you've been struggling with doubt. Let the words of Christ remind you that he's, he's called you, that he loves you, and that he's got a plan and a purpose for your life, just as Peter heard those words and he moved forward from those. The other thing that Jesus does is he helps us become more joyful. He helps us become more joyful. Galatians 5.22 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy. We can go on and on with all the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit. Fruit of the Spirit. The fruit. It, 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 is, it is the fruit. Um, joy is the fruit of a right relationship with Jesus Christ. Joy is the evidence that you and I are in relationship with Jesus. Joy is not something that you and I can work up on our own, through our own efforts, through our own um, uh, 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 good works. We can't work that up. But a lot of times we mix happiness with joyfulness. We get the two confused. But what we need to remember is that happiness depends on what's happening. Happiness depends on what's happening in your life in the moment. If right now your bank account shows an abundance of finances, then you're happy. But tomorrow, if it shows a lack, then you're not. Happiness depends on what's happening in your life. If, if you're getting along with your spouse, then you're happy. But tomorrow, if you have a disagreement, then you're not. 
And I don't know about you, I don't want to live life based on what's happening in my life. We weren't called to live life that way. It's like living life um, as, as a, a thermometer rather than a thermostat. A thermometer just measures what's going on in the atmosphere, what's happening in the room. And it adjusts according to what's going on. I don't want my life and my joy or my happiness to be measured by what's happening around me. But I want to be like a thermostat. And I want to set the atmosphere of joy in my home. I, regardless of what's happening, regardless of what my bank account looks like, regardless of disagreements that are happening in my home, I am going to set an atmosphere of joy because joy is not, uh, is not based on what's happening in your life. It's not based on circumstances. It's based on relationship with Jesus Christ. Hap- happiness depends on what's happening in your life, but joy depends on Jesus. And if you've got Jesus in your life, you can have joy. Amen? You can have joy because it is a fruit of a right relationship with Jesus. The Apostle Paul, and you can just just write down book of Philippians because the book of Philippians, Paul just 16 different times mentions joy or rejoicing throughout that book. And in Philippians 4, verse 4, and it's a verse I don't necessarily care for at certain moments in my life. Okay, I'm going to be totally honest. Um, But it says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. The Apostle Paul, we have to understand where he's at while he's writing this. He He is held captive. He's been imprisoned. And here he is as a captive writing this book to the people in Philippi saying rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Why? Because joy is not dependent on what's happening in your life at the moment. You can choose to rejoice in Jesus Christ regardless of what your circumstances look like. And Paul is an incredible example of that. I mean, him and and, um, Silas, captive in the lower, lower prison. And what do they start doing? They start singing. They start singing. It's in Acts uh, chapter 16. They start singing. And you would think two men held captive in a prison, bound with chains and shackles, and the prison door shut on them, that they might be maybe feeling bad for themselves, right? Maybe a little bit discouraged, maybe just talking about how bad things are. But no, they begin to rejoice. They begin to praise God. In the midst of that, the prison doors open, their chains fall off, and they are free men. There's something that takes place when we choose joy, regardless of what's taking place in our lives, regardless of what our circumstances say. And Paul is a great example of us. True joy is not based on those circumstances. But as we, as you and I in the midst of our circumstances, choose to have a heavenly perspective rather than an earthly perspective. If we have a heavenly perspective, which is exactly where Jesus Christ is seated right now, and he's making intercession for you and I, but if we, if we can get ourselves, lift up our eyes and have a heavenly perspective, then we can have joy. Knowing that, you know what, this may be happening in my life right now. But this isn't the end. This isn't, this isn't all there is. Jesus has more for me. Jesus can do a work in this situation. Jesus can do a work through this, through this issue and through this relationship. We can have joy. But if we continue to have an earthly perspective, man, when you're, when you're at that place, all you can see is your stuff in front of you. And they seem so big and they seem so overwhelming. But it's like when you take off in that airplane. My dad will be taken off back to Reading um, on Monday at 6 o'clock. And as he gets on that plane, and as his plane goes up in the air, the higher it gets, the smaller the things on earth look, right? 
My, my kids are still perplexed by that. They're like, how do they look so small? The little cars look like ants. You know, you can just step on them. And it's, it's that way with, with the stuff that we go through in life. If we can see ourselves seated with Christ in heavenly places, then we can look down at those circumstances and know that those are small in light of the, the great, great God that we serve who is able to work out those things in our life. Luke 2, verses 10, 11 say, But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news. I love that. I bring you good news that will cause great joy. This is in the NIV translation. Great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. I love that it says that, to you. Has been born to you. It will cause great joy for all the people. Jesus comes into our lives, comes into our circumstances. In the midst of those things, we can have great joy. Amen. Jesus also helps us become more triumphant. He may be calling you right now in your state of, of doubtfulness, in your state of depression, in your state of defeat. But not only does he call you and, and help you become more faithful, not only do you become joyful, but he also helps you become more triumphant. And that verse that we read this morning in Isaiah 9, 6, 6 to 7, says, This is the one. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And it says, Of the increase of his government... And of peace, there will be no end. Did you hear that? There will be no end. It's not like the election is coming up tomorrow and Jesus is going to be, okay, there will be no end, ladies and gentlemen. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. We become more triumphant when we realize the one that is fighting with us. When we realize the one that is fighting with us, and I think about, I think about the story of Lazarus, the story of Lazarus, and it's found in John chapter 11, verses 38 to 44. Jesus has gotten word that Lazarus was sick, and he was, he was in need of, of healing, um, and Jesus actually chose to wait a few days before he went. Kind of Interesting. And he comes into the town and everyone's weeping. Martha comes running and, and is like, Jesus, if only you had been here. My, you know, Mary and Martha are just weeping. And if, if Jesus, you had been here, he, he'd be well. But he's died and he's gone. And Jesus has compassion on them. Because the compassion wasn't necessarily because they were weeping. Because they were upset. He had compassion because they had yet to know truly who he was, that he is the resurrection and the life. And so Jesus comes on the scene and Lazarus is already dead and he's already in the tomb. And Jesus comes to where the tomb is and he says, roll away the stone. And Martha's like, what are you doing? Jesus, he's going to smell. You know, us ladies were like, you know, he's going to be stinky. Don't do that. You know, Uh, that's not, don't do that. And Jesus is just like, okay, Martha, just settle down. Remember who I am, okay? They roll away the stone, and Jesus calls out to Lazarus and calls him forth. And 
absolute miracle takes place as Lazarus rises from the dead and he comes out of that tomb. See, we got to remember that the one that created life is also the one that defeated death. And when you remember that, when you remember that Jesus Christ, who not only defeated death himself, rose from the dead, but also caused Lazarus to rise up and defeat death, that man, when you face things that you look at, you look at a relationship and it looks dead, or you look at your finances and it looks hopeless, you look at the situations in your life, or you get that report from the doctor, and the report doesn't look good, you can rise up, you can lift your head up high, and you can stand up strong because you can know that you're triumphant because you know the one that is fighting for you and fighting with you, that you are not alone in this thing. The Bible says it is the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead dwells in you and me. That same spirit that raised from the dead dwells in you and I. When you begin to remember who is fighting with you and for you, you can rise up triumphant in whatever you're facing. That's why when Maria got the, the, third, the third report that she's fighting cancer again for the third time, that woman, after getting that report, was walking in with her head held up high. And I thought, what is wrong with you, woman? How can you, how can you look and, 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 and have the perspective you have? And the reason why is because she knew that she was not fighting that battle of cancer herself and on her own. She knew that Jesus was with her. And the same one that defeated death is the same spirit that, that raised Christ from the dead dwells in her. And she knew that I can face this thing because even if death takes place on this earth, I know where I'm headed. And I have eternal life with the Father in heaven. That this life is not the end. But man, I've got a life that I'm looking forward to in heaven that's going to be for all eternity. And when you know the one that is, is fighting with you, you can rise up triumphant in whatever you're facing. So not only does Jesus make you more faithful, not only does he make you more joyful, he makes you more triumphant. And you can walk in whatever situation you're facing with joy. You can walk without having your faith waver. How many of you face things in life that don't make sense? You wonder, Jesus, I've been serving you all my life. I don't understand why this is happening right now. There are times when things happen in life and we don't understand. But you, as you remember Jesus, as you look to that manger, and as you realize that it's not just a baby lying in the manger, but that is the King of Kings, that is the Lord of Lords, that is the one that not only created life, but the one that defeated death, that came for me and came for you, that called us to himself, that makes us faithful, that we can be faithful serving God through the trials that we face in life because of the work that Jesus Christ did on the cross. And because he rose from the dead and conquered death and hell. Romans 8, verses 31 and 39. Just write it down. I want you to listen to this this morning. Romans 8, verses 31 to 39. It says, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, 
how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died, more than that, who was raised. Who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him. Not through yourself, not through your own efforts, not through how much you read your Bible, not through how long you've prayed, not through how many times you can check off the list that you went to church. No, through him. Through him. Who shall separate us? For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing, nothing can separate you from the love of Christ. Nothing can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Absolutely nothing you face can separate you. And when I think about that, there are a lot of things that I've faced in my life, and I'm sure things that I will face in the future. And as I think of those things, man, I think that, that none of those things, none of the things I've done, none of, the, none of the trials that I will face can ever separate me from the love of Jesus. And when I think about that, it causes me to want to be more faithful to him. Because regardless of what you and I do, ladies and gentlemen, he doesn't love you any more or any less. You can't read your Bible more than you read it today to earn his love. He loves you right now just the way you are. But when you think about that, when you think about how Christ, while you were still sinners, he loved you and he chose to die for you. When you think about that, I don't know about you, but as I think about that, a God who loved me so much, that even in that, even in the stuff that I face, even in the dumb decisions I make, he loves me. That none of those things, nothing in all creation can separate us from the love of Jesus. And when I think about that, it makes me want to be faithful to him. It makes me joyful because I know that there is nothing that can take his love away from me. The fact that you are his creation, just simply the fact that you are his creation means that he loves you. There's nothing you can do or can't do that will take that love away. He loves you and he loves me. And because there's nothing in all creation that can separate us from that love, man, I can walk with my head held high. Knowing that, you know what? At the end of the day, Jesus loves me. And I can have peace, I can have joy, and I can walk triumphant as an, and as a conqueror knowing that what I face in this life, Jesus is with me. Amen? Amen. God is so good. Let's, let's pray together, shall we? God, we thank you so much this morning that, that, God, you are calling us unto yourself, that, God, you're calling those that are here today that may 
be going through a season of, of doubt and wavering in their faith, that God, you're calling those today that, that may feel down and that although it's supposed to be the happiest time of the year, it, it may feel as though it's the most difficult and unhappy time of the year because they're reminded of a family that maybe they've lost or they're reminded of loved ones that, that they don't get to see anymore and, and the holidays are difficult and, and can be depressing, that God, you're calling those to yourself this morning, that, that God, you're calling those that are going through trials and they're going through tough times, that you're calling us unto yourself today. God, we thank you. God, we thank you for that reminder. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, please visit our website at www.canvaschurchsd.com.